Some people love Shakespeare, others not so much. But a Shakespeare adaptation is always a good time. Constellation Theater at 14th and T is featuring a musical called Desperate Measures. It's based off of Shakespeare's play Measure for Measure, but it's set in the Wild West. A gunslinging nun teams up with a sheriff and a saloon dancer to save her brother. Buy tickets now at constellationtheater.org. The show runs through March 17th. Once again, that's constellationtheater.org. Today on CityCast DC, this week has brought still more ugly workplace sexual misconduct allegations in the case of John Falcicchio, who was Mayor Muriel Bowser's indispensable top aide until his abrupt resignation in March. Alex Coma from Washington City Paper is the reporter behind one of the scoops, and he's here to tell us what's happening and what it may say about just what sort of office culture exists around DC's mayor. Today is Thursday, June 29th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Alex, you just spoke with yet another woman, a third, who has come forward to accuse former Deputy Mayor John Falcicchio of sexual harassment. It's pretty harrowing, the stuff you've reported and the stuff that was reported in the Post. But before we get into that allegation, can you just lay out who this guy is? Because he may not be a household name, but he's been a very big deal in city government for quite a while. Fill us in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the easiest way to think about him is perhaps the most important D.C. government official other than the mayor. He was Mayor Muriel Bowser's chief of staff, as well as her deputy mayor for planning and economic development, meaning that he, you know, not only oversaw pretty much every part of the government, he was at pretty much the top of the org chart, but he also had a key role in uh, major economic development and real estate projects, you know, where the the big money deals happen when you see the cranes going up in the skies, the deals for city land, the prominent projects. He was about as important as it got. And what's more, he was the mayor's friend. You know, they vacationed together. He was her top political advisor, de facto campaign manager. He's been around city politics for a very long time. And it really was quite shocking to see him resign in March um, amid these allegations. Right. And all of a sudden, one day he was gone and there was very little explanation. And then Quite soon, it came out that two different women had come forward, and that is what triggered his resignation in March. The city investigation, which concluded earlier this month, backed up their accusations, saying he did harass them. And now you have spoken with a third woman. What is her story? She is someone that was seeking to do business with the city, and she, I think, correctly saw Falchicchio as the right kind of person to get to know um, if you're looking to uh, do business with the D.C. government. Um, He exercised a tremendous amount of influence um, over all manner of aspects of the D.C. government. And so, you know, as she started to get to know him, trading messages with him, um, at one point in early 2021, he invites her over to his condo, um, and she thought that this was was, you know, exactly what she was looking for, a chance to discuss business with him, to build a, you know, professional 
professional relationship with him. And, you know, she says that she was there for some time, um, you know, and they had, had small talk, touched on business. Things were pretty light. You know, he stepped outside to take a phone call. And when he came back into the room, she says that he took off his pants, um, exposed himself, and asked her for sex. And she says she was shocked by this. She thought that this was entirely professional and asked to be escorted out of the building. And uh, he complied and that ever since, her opportunities to do business with the city, you know, sort of dried up. And and she got the sense that because she had refused Falchicchio in this way, that uh, she was facing uh, retaliation for it. So wait, when did you first get in contact with her? Uh, we had been speaking for a period of um, several weeks, um, you know, in the run-up to this. Obviously, the news of other harassment allegations against Falchicchio have been public for some time. And she, you know, not long after the mayor announced that her Office of Legal Counsel would start investigating all this, uh, she went to those lawyers and spoke with them. You know, they interviewed her about the, this exact incident that we're discussing. She also went to the attorneys for those other accusers, uh, Deborah Katz and Kayla Marin. And those are some very prominent Me Too attorneys. They represented the cheerleaders against Dan Snyder. Yeah, absolutely. Among other high-profile cases, um, they have plenty of experience with these issues. And um, she spoke with them. They they don't represent her as they are focused mainly on the case of, of the city employees against Falchicchio. And in the wake of you know her contacting those people, we eventually began uh, discussing all this. And with the first accuser against Falchicchio coming out and telling her story in the Washington Post over the weekend, providing a lot of, you know, details that, you know, maybe the mayor's report on this hinted at, but didn't quite get into. My source felt, I think, a little more comfortable coming forward with her own story. And what she told you is that she is not, like, litigating to ask for damages or money, but she does want to get her business back that she feels like was taken away from her. Yeah, that was that was what she said to me. I mean, you know, her exact quote, and I, I suppose this could always change, but, you know, the way that she felt was, She didn't really see herself as a victim. Um, You know, she saw herself as someone who was earnestly trying to do business and have a professional relationship with someone and then found herself drawn into this mess. You know, that's why she wanted to be anonymous and why she, you know, was very insistent on me taking steps to try and protect her identity because she just wants to get back to getting her company off the ground and not really get involved in the rest of this except for the scandal that has come out of it. So what she alleged in her interviews with you was fairly in keeping with the stuff that was alleged by the woman who gave an extensive interview to the Washington Post. Can you just summarize for us what we know about the other two women, both of them D.C. government employees, i.e. beneath Falchicchio in the org chart, what kinds of allegations they have made, what we know about those and where they stand? At this moment, we know relatively little about what the second accuser has come forward to say. Thus far, I think pretty much all we know is what she has said through those lawyers that we mentioned, Katz and Marin, when she came forward. The first accuser we know a good deal about because uh, the first report that the mayor's office of legal counsel released focused specifically on her allegations, and then she gave a, a lengthy interview to the Post. And basically what she alleges is that she was a subordinate of Falchicchio, 
pistachios. She, much like uh, the woman that I spoke with, thought that she was building a professional relationship with him. They went out to get drinks on several occasions, and then back at his condo, she says he made advances toward her, you know, exposed himself, asked for sex. I mean, he's sending her lewd, super suggestive texts. He's sending her dick pics, if I recall. The stuff in the post, it's some really involved and pretty gross stuff. It also just doesn't suggest a person taking a lot of care about getting away with it, because if it's true, he's leaving an extensive and and like pretty horrific paper trail. Yeah, I, you read my mind. It's exactly what I was about to bring up. I mean, you know, the stuff that the first woman provided to the Post, as you say, is quite graphic. Uh, he, he was doing this all via Snapchat, um, so she says. But uh, yeah, not not the best OPSEC if you're, if you're hoping not to get caught up in this. But I think that speaks to an important point, which is to say, you know, the woman that I interviewed said that she brought up many of these concerns with city officials as long as a year ago, sometimes even longer ago, and that the response she got back was essentially a, a shrugging of the shoulders. The one quote that she relayed to me from someone that worked with Falchicchio was simply saying, you know, that's John, what are you going to do about it? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. She sent allegations of specific acts of abuse that may well be illegal and are certainly horrific. She sent these specific allegations to people who did nothing. I mean, essentially what I can tell you for sure is that she sent emails suggesting that Falchicchio uh, was doing inappropriate sexual things. She did not detail her story, at least as far as I know, in, you know, outlining all of the details in emails um, because of fears of, of <laughs> saying that it happened to her and, and what might happen to her afterwards. But as far as I know, she has discussed it with city officials, informally, as well as made it pretty clear that she suspected that uh, Falchicchio had done some inappropriate sexual things in emails she sent to city officials. And they're all saying essentially like that old scamp. <laughs> well, that's the response that she's gotten back. Even just in the last few days, I've been hearing that city officials have said that they took this woman's claims, um, they investigated it as part of their ongoing review of the two other accusers, and I believe the, the phrase that I heard was that, um, you know, they did not substantiate them. I'm getting that secondhand. They told Councilmember Brienne Nadeau that, who is telling me, but, it, you know, it, it sort of is not surprising to me to hear that. Um, she contacted people within the, the mayor's attorney's office, and the scope of their investigation is fairly limited, so they may well not have spoken to some of the people I I've, I've spoken to. I'm, I'm just not sure. The brand new Arbor at Tacoma is built for your most convenient urban living. Whether you want to enjoy the vibrant Tacoma, D.C. community or comfortably retreat into a sleek sanctuary all your own. The kitchens have striking dark navy and white cabinets and throughout the home, there are wood floors and smart home technology. Some homes even have a private outdoor space. With a quick walk to the metro, you can easily head into downtown or stay close and enjoy the retail that's on site. Located at 218 Cedar Street Northwest, the Arbor Tacoma offers brand new one and two bedroom condos starting in the upper 300,000s. Visit thearborattacoma.com for more information. That's Tacoma with a K. So T-H-E-A-R-B-O-R-A-T-T-A-K-O-M-A.com. So if these women's accounts of how their complaints were received are true, 
I got to ask, is this an anomaly? Does, does this say something bigger about the culture within the uh, mayor's administration? I, absolutely. And I think that's why you've seen so much momentum building behind some sort of independent investigation of all of this. You know, you've got a majority of the council calling for it at this moment because it's it's addressing exactly that question, which is to say, you know, John Falciccio was, as we mentioned right at the beginning, one of the mayor's most closest advisors and confidants. I mean, in many ways, he was the the boss of the people who are involved in trying to investigate his own misdeeds at this moment. There are many personal relationships over there. It's a pretty close-knit staff. And so it, it is worth asking, I mean, how impartial can an investigation be? And how can we as city residents trust that the mayor is the right person to institute cultural reforms when she has, you know, been at the wheel for all of these <laughs> alleged events happening? There was this line in the Post article which said the investigator found evidence that Falcicchio gave preferential assignments to women he found attractive and used the workplace as a dating pool, but did not conclude that those actions violated city policy. Does that mean that it is not against city policy to use the office as a dating pool? Or does it mean they <laughs> couldn't prove it? Well, the lawyer's argument in the report was saying that their narrow assignment was to figure out, were these allegations of specific harassment true? They saw it as like, our ambit is to interview the accusers, to interview like other people within the agency. But this was a review that didn't have subpoena power. They couldn't compel anyone to cooperate with them. So I couldn't tell you chapter and verse what the DC, you know, uh, human resources manual says. There are probably procedures outlining dating within the workplace. I do not believe it is like entirely forbidden, although there may be certain limits on how you have to disclose it. But I think that mainly what they were saying is, you know, our investigation was narrowly focused on this stuff. You know, they asked a lot of other people who were named by other accusers. The accuser said these X number of women were also in various relationships with Falcicchio. And they said, we tried to reach out and, and only some would cooperate with us. So how can we know? Okay, so right now, just to be clear, what is the process of like, what, what are you supposed to do if, if you have been uh, the victim of in, improper behavior by a senior official or you're aware of improper behavior? Who are you supposed to tell and what is supposed to happen at that point? Yeah, if you're a city employee, you know, the mayor issued an order in 2017 that kind of lays out what this process looks like. The idea is there is supposed to be one person designated as a sexual harassment officer within each agency. That's the person that you bring a complaint to. And then they order up the exact sort of um, investigation by the, the mayor's office of legal counsel that has been proceeding in this case. However, you know, the, the sort of irony here is that in the case of the two agencies uh, where Falcicchio um, was technically the, the top official in, in both of them, the executive office of the mayor and the office of the deputy mayor for planning and economic development, there were no sexual harassment officers. They hadn't named them. And it, it sort of gummed up the works of getting this investigation launched and is, is part of why the start of this was so chaotic. But these, these council members you've been talking to seem to think that even if there were a formally designated sexual harassment official in, in place, that's insufficient. 
Exactly. I mean, the way they see it is that the mayor is investigating herself at this point. I mean, they're her own attorneys investigating her. Bowser has pushed back on that. She believes that they're doing a fair and impartial review and pointed to the fact that the first report did substantiate, you know, many of the accuser's allegations. It's not like it's not like they waved it away or covered it up. But Although to, they did release it on the Saturday of a long ex- weekend. Exactly. Uh, close to midnight on the Saturday of a long weekend, no less. So that's why, I mean, it's a big reason why it has shaken the trust of the council and why they have called for an independent investigation. And I think that within the next couple of weeks, we are likely to either see one started or see uh, several council members fight very hard to get one off the ground. Here's what I don't get. And maybe this, you know, you can talk about what it says about her political instincts. You're the politics columnist for Washington City Paper. You've watched her for a long time. You know, we as journalists, sort of a core tenet of what we do is we we know that institutions cannot watchdog themselves. And that's true whether you're talking about the military or a company or Major League Baseball, Catholic Church, whatever. There's too many relationships and it's you know, you're all in the trenches together and it's very hard to then turn around and be clear-eyed and ask hard questions. In a way, getting an outside investigation is like doing them a favor. Why would Bowser not want to be relieved of that duty of having to do it, essentially do it herself? Why would she not want an outside investigation? <laughs> Boy, I, I wish I could answer that question. I'm not inside the mayor's head as, as hard as I try to be sometimes. But as you say, it seems like the easiest decision in the world. You get to prove that you're taking this seriously. You get to show that you're even-handed. I mean, frankly, you know, to her great credit, Bowser has styled herself as a champion for women. She has appointed many women to high-profile positions within her administration over her eight going on nine years in office. And I don't understand why she wouldn't want to take a step to say, I trusted this guy. Maybe I was wrong. I'm determined to find out what's really going on here. And instead, it's opened up this avenue to have her, you know, uh, rivals on the council um, to say, we just want transparency and accountability. Who's ever been against transparency and accountability? And it, it opens up questions about what her motives are in not having an outside investigation to think, well, maybe she's covering up for something even more nefarious or, or for her own culpability somehow. So instead of being a person who was let down by a close aide and friend, she is able to be painted by people who don't, who already are out to get her, or don't like her, as an enabler. And that seems like pretty rotten politics. I mean, frankly, I I think the reticence to do an independent investigation comes down to the fact that one of two things is true. Either uh, the mayor didn't know a single thing about this, in which case that means that the person that she held closest to her, both politically and to run her government, she didn't know a single, she hadn't heard a single rumor about it, she didn't consider it. And that is not exactly a great look for a mayor who is supposed to be competent. Or she had heard about some of these rumors and allegations. I mean, I've had several city employees tell me that if not all of John's behavior was known to them, that it was in many ways an open secret, uh, that he did, you know, at at least consider uh, relationships within the city government to not be verboten, uh, or that, you know, he was definitely pursuing women, uh, and, you know, that could intermingle with his work responsibilities. And if she had heard about that, then it's exactly as you say. I mean, it's, it strikes me as, as pretty damning if that's indeed the case. So why have an investigation when it's going to prove one of those two things, neither thing seems like a really good outcome for her. One of the knocks on Mayor Bowser, 
long-time knocks on Mayor Bowser, is that she tends to be quite defensive, to circle the wagons, to be not let it all hang out. Mm. And she's had a very successful political career, so maybe it's worked for her. But my sense is this is playing out right now in ways that are not helping her. I I think that's very fair. I mean, uh, you know, this has largely been a complaint uh, raised by those of us who get sneered at by her at her press conferences. So I appreciate it. It's not the side of the mayor that many people see. But yes, I mean, you're absolutely right. As embodied by Falchicchio, many people have long said that the mayor keeps too small of a circle, that she doesn't listen to, you know, outside voices and criticism, you know, that may have her be a little more introspective, a little less defensive. And, you know, Tom Sherwood was reporting for us that the circle has grown only smaller now that Falchicchio is out of the picture. And she feels as if, you know, she is under even more pressure with this constant drumbeat of bad news. I think that is only reinforcing some of her tendencies in this regard. I got to ask, did you reach out to Falchicchio in the course of your reporting? Yes, yes. Has he said anything? We uh, reached out. He's hired a a crisis communications firm. They declined to comment for our story. Um, For the Post story uh, detailing the accusations of the first accuser, they said that he was eager to respond, um, but was choosing to wait for the proper venue. Tom Sherwood reported for uh, City Paper uh, that there are some rumors that uh, there may be a statement or some kind of uh, first public comments coming from Falchicchio, who has otherwise stayed completely silent throughout all of this. Um, He has not cooperated with the mayor's investigations uh, thus far. So so right now, we're really not hearing what he has to say to defend himself. And the reason they've given in not making more comment is that there's litigation pending, and any good lawyer will tell their client to put a sock in it. Tell me what, what happens next on that front. Yeah, well, the the first thing that will happen is the mayor has promised a second report to come out detailing their findings of their investigation into the second accuser's claims. Then, you know, the mayor has said that she will lead an after-action review that will, you know, detail some of these questions about is there a culture in the government, as one accuser has alleged, of promoting people who had relationships with Falchicchio? Did he use, uh, you know, the agencies as a dating pool? You know, the mayor has said that, you know, she's committed to sort of getting to the bottom of that with another internal review. She suggested the Office of Inspector General, which generally operates independently of the mayor and council, could do a management review of, of this sort of stuff as well. But it's as you allude to, I mean, I think everybody is assuming that whether it is uh, the two city employees who have already hired lawyers, uh, the woman that I spoke with, anyone else who might have had similar experiences, that there is going to be a civil lawsuit of some kind that will necessarily force another legal proceeding of some kind about all this stuff. Well, I am sure we will have you back on, Alex, because it sounds like this is not going anywhere. No, I expect not. And it will be my pleasure to come back and tell you all about it then, too. Thanks, man. Before you go, here is some quick news. More than 160 people showed up to testify at the D.C. Council's public safety hearing this week to discuss Mayor Bowser's crime bill. Those in favor of the bill want to see longer sentences and stricter pretrial release policies to address the continued rise in crime. Others find the bill a return to the rejected, tough-on-crime policies of the 80s and 90s. Members of the council will debate the bill and amendments in the coming weeks. 
Meanwhile, smoke from the Canadian wildfires is back in D.C., putting the district's air quality at code orange. For those of you who don't know the codes by heart, this means that air is unhealthy for sensitive groups and physical activity should be limited for children, older adults, and people with respiratory conditions. Luckily, it is not nearly as bad yet as the code red and purple from earlier this month. Also, a dozen members of a violent drug traffic organization called the Kennedy Street Crew have been arrested. They are accused of carrying out 19 shootings and seven murders along Kennedy Street Northwest between 1st Street and 12th Street. Along with the arrests, officials seized hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of drugs and more than 40 guns. And finally, for the first time in 50 years, and this is a tough concept for a child of the 70s and 80s in D.C., you will be allowed to swim, swim in the Anacostia River. Swimming has been illegal in all of D.C.'s rivers due to the high levels of pollution from sewage overflow. Over the past two decades, D.C. Water has been working on a $2.7 billion project to keep the water clean. On July 8th, there will be a one-time swim event at Kingman Island. There will be lifeguards there, and yes, there will be a water quality check beforehand. That is all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.